podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Hello and welcome to your post-match Raw on AI Pro, podcasting to you from field here in beautiful rural Ireland. I'm Trev Downey and joining me to give their immediate reactions to Fulham 2, Liverpool 2 in the Premier League season opener from Craven College are Dave Hendrick and Harry Sethi. Well, Dave, to say that that's a little bit of a flattener, a little bit of a leveller, a little bit of a disappointing beginning to the campaign would be an understatement. Do we have any freedom to be phlegmatic at this stage or do we just lean into uh, burn it all down? Where are you at this stage? Immediately. I mean, there's there's a little bit of burn it down, but it's not all of it, obviously, because there's so much good about this team and we know how much good about there is about this team. But today was absolutely shocking from start to finish. I think Klopp gets a lot of the blame for what we've just watched. I thought he was quite poor in his team selection. Uh, I thought certain players had really poor outings. One of them managed to play the entire game. God knows how. The substitutions were a bit funky. I know he was forced into into the Thiago one. uh, But, I mean, bringing off Fabinho was a little bit of an odd decision. And the second goal highlights why it was an odd decision. Um, I, I just think Klopp got a lot wrong but at the same time all he can do is put players out on the pitch and they have to perform and there's very few in that Liverpool team that can walk away today with their heads held high there's a couple of standout atrocious performances but by and large with the exception of Darwin Harvey and Mo when he woke up around 70 I just think everybody needs to take a long look in the mirror at what they put put forth today. I thought Thiago had a good first half as well, but he obviously went off injured. Um, and he was kind of playing in midfield by himself. Like, Paulinho bullied that midfield. He was everywhere. Um, physically, we couldn't really cope with him. He put Henderson on his backside. He put Fab on his backside. He just, he had a level of physicality that we lack. And we got overrun. We got overrun 2v3 in midfield, which is just bizarre. And it's never helped when your captain has a performance as bad as that. I mean, he was awful last week in the community shield. Absolutely shocking. And I said to you, it's a good thing I'm not on. Because, you know, when you when you win, we still try and be honest about what we've seen. We're not like the sheep that just think everything is rosy and everything's great just because the team win. We don't react to the scoreline. We react to the performance. That's the whole purpose of post-match draws, to react to the performance. 
That performance by Jordan Henderson today is as bad a performance as you're going to see by any player in the Premier League this weekend. He was appalling in the first half. He was poor to start the second half. He was just below average when he went into the number six position. But he was shit at right side midfield, shit at left side midfield, and just below average in the holding role. And that's just not acceptable. This is your club captain. And he's the worst player in the team by a considerable margin. And last season, we sat and watched him perform like this time and time and time again. And it cost us it cost us the title last season. Brighton, Brentford, Leicester, West Ham. Those four games cost us the title. He's the common factor in those four games. He was absolutely horrific in all of them. This season, he starts the season like that, and we've dropped points already. And while people say, oh, it's the first game of the season, it is, but it was early season results last season that cost us the title. That's why we never managed to haul City back in, because we let too big of a gap go. And the only solace I'm taking is that they have to go to West Ham tomorrow. And that's a really tough game. We found that out last year. Chelsea found that out last year. City found that out last year as well. West Ham are a good team. Moyes has them playing really well. They know what they're about. They're not fancy. They've got a very, very dedicated game plan. My only solace in this weekend is that City have to go to West Ham tomorrow and they might drop points. But if they start building a lead and if we keep playing like that, we're going to keep dropping points, then it's going to be over before we get to even the World Cup break. Distinct possibility, Harry, that there's um, very much uh, a lot of truth to that last assessment there by Dave, because we know we can't allow any gap to build. Mm. Um, and yes, you're going to run the risk if you um, are critical, like Dave just was there, of someone who divides the fan base. Yes, you're going to run the risk of um, having people immediately um, um, screaming at whatever device you're listening. But you're mm. also going to run the risk of that if you... Uh, seem in any way defeatist or um, uh, writing the season off at this point. Now, I don't think we're doing either things in isolation. We're talking about reality. Reality is we can't allow City to build up a lead. And just before the mics went live, you talked about some of the positives that could be possibly drawn from what was overall. And I, I don't care who you are. Overall, that's a, a, an overwhelmingly negative day for us. We didn't play well for the entirety of the first half. We played well when Darwin Nunes came on. That's undeniable. That change changed the whole game and the course of it for us. But in the end, the result is disappointing and it comes down to some of our own errors, actually. So when you talk about trying to see some of the bright side, what were you thinking in that context? And I don't mean to set you up here, man. If you want to have a moan, have a moan. <laughs> Yeah, and I, I I think that you know we'll 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 definitely come on to talk about uh, some individual performances because I think yeah there were there were some individual performances both good and bad in that game, uh, fewer on the good side, um, but uh, that that are worth mentioning and, and and Dave's touched upon a couple there sort of players I thought particularly particularly struggled in in the game but I think collectively it w- it was really disappointing that you know we've had what two, three days now, Pep, Pep Linders promoting his book, Intensity, and, and talking about that um, relentlessly. And it's something that we know at our best once we get sort of ramped up, uh, this Liverpool side can pretty much uh, outwork anybody, or, or, or that used to be the case. Uh, I think it was a bit dispiriting to see 
that for, su- for, for such a long period in that game, I, th- I actually think f- for the majority of it, uh, th- that Liverpool side was outworked, basically. Um, I, 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 I don't think it's much of a surprise that a promoted uh, a, a promoted side that came up champions at home on the first day of the season, despite the fact that they, you know, they've got some uh, um, shortcomings around some of the signings that, that haven't been made yet. There are gaps in that squad. That squad, uh, you very well look at it and go, is is that going to be good enough quality for them to even stay in the league? Uh, I, I did expect them to be you know, right up for it, and and, and they were. And I, I think that you know, I'd be very surprised if Liverpool weren't expecting that. I think you should be you should be expecting that when you go away from home to a newly promoted side who came up as champions in their first game of the season. You know, you're expecting fight. You got to earn the right to to play. Um, so I, I, I was I was disappointed by how we were second to all the second balls. Uh, you know, there were some pretty you know, physical challenges going in there, but you have to rise up to that. You have to sort of uh, show that you're good enough to deal with it. I, I did think actually Tiago was a good example there, actually, after sort of a sort of a more physical first 10 minutes. I think Tiago showed that, okay, you're yeah, fine. Like, if this is how it's going to be. I'll, I'll slightly change the way I'm playing and I'll just, you know, fo- focus on keeping the ball for us. Uh, and yeah, I can't outmuscle you, but I'll, you know, my technique is better than you and I'll try and deal with it that way. I felt other... Other other players in the side sort of half-heartedly got involved in battles and then sort of lost out. I mean, players who used to be in the side who are also in the side who used to be known for their physicality, but that's waning at the moment, and you can see that really struggled out there. And Hendo's obviously one who will come on to to talk about. But in terms of the positives, I thought uh, you know Nunez or Nunez when when he came on, the, the I, I I think already you know you're sort of justifying why he was bought right i mean there's there is a reason why we pursued this guy uh even when he's not scoring just for the sort of the complete nuisance that he's going to be to two defenses this season and the opportunities that opens up for other players in our attack i think you saw that already even in a game where i thought he had a, a good game and you know there was some there was some bad stuff there was some um, excellent stuff. There was some stuff that you, you, you imagine they're going to be working on with him a lot throughout the season. But I, I think he's a really disruptive force. And we saw that Elliot, I thought, was encouraging when he came on as well in that cameo. I, th- I think he makes a hell of a lot more sense uh, in that right side of midfield role, especially given sort of where the team seems to be heading in terms of the style of play we're going to be going for um, moving forward. And even Carvalho, I mean, there's sort of very limited to judge him on there. But again, um, you know, I've enjoyed watching him every, every time he's played so far. So I thought there were a couple, couple positives there. But yeah, on the whole, I thought it was uh, a, a team that failed to get themselves up to the same levels of intensity as their newly promoted opponents. And and that's just not it's, it's, it's not what you expect from from this side coming into a, um, coming into a season. Yeah, disappointing on so many levels. You're right, and 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 it does feel a little bit like grasping around looking for upside but I think they're speaking about the match in detail will bring out those positives if there hmm. are any um, and w- that's the way we, sh- we should lean into it again just in an overall kind of perspective before we get into looking at the match uh, lineups you've got a situation there where it's finished I think with 11 shots to nine in our favor uh, four on target to three in our favor we have exactly two-thirds of the ball um, 606 passes to their 288 um, our 77 percent pass accuracy to their 61 
But in the little set of stats that I'm looking at there, what isn't shown is the fact that Fulham seemed to win almost every challenge in the first half. And you mentioned something yeah. there, Harry, I thought it was very interesting about Thiago and how he adjusted his game because he did he was caught in the back foot a few times, a few loose balls from him at the start. And the pressure that they were putting on was obviously a little bit uncomfortable. And then he mm. just started winning aerial duels that lads twice his height wouldn't win. And he, he adapted um, so it is gutting to see him leave the field um, with what could be a concerning injury. So we will come to that. Um, to stay with you, Harry, briefly, um, just in terms of the Reds, because there's no point in us talking about this too much. But although I do want to give Davis a sentence or two on it, because I think this may be where he's going with one of his club criticisms in the opener. Um, I just on Twitter went, well, I see we're playing the team uh, trademark, which <laughs> is essentially what. It was. I mean, you take out um, Sadio Mane uh, and, and you, you slide in Luis Diaz. That's If we were playing a final tomorrow, that would be the team the club would play. Regardless of what you think of that, that would be the team that he plays. So no real surprises there. Nothing much to really talk about. Ibu Kanate might have featured, perhaps, if he had been in form and available. Um, but I don't think Naby Keita starts ahead of Henderson um, in Klopp's mind in season openers or big matches or anything of the like. That's not what I'm, I'm not saying that that's right or wrong. And it's interesting. Dave talked last week. We did, myself and Guy did the post-match Raw. And we had the temerity to mention, you know, in a, in a semi-jovial um, fashion, one or two of Henderson's pass forwards, uh, passes forward, which were like, you know, somewhere between awful mm-hmm. and 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 uh, terrifying at times. Some of the drunk moments. I remember. Some of the, some of the drunk. Yes, exactly, yeah. exactly. And we had a, a lad come uh, at us on Twitter talking about uh, what's this Henderson narrative. And if you if you'd listened yeah. to the podcast, you'd have heard me say that you know, I think he's a he's a great lad and I like him and I think that was good or that was good or whatever. It's not blanket. It's just I mean, the the laziness is unbelievable. But before I pass this back to Dave, because I think. I know exactly what what he's going to say here around selection, but I want to give him the opportunity to say it. Were you even vaguely surprised at that eleven starting? Because I know, like I say, for me it was it was nailed on. If they were available, that's that was who was going to start. Um, I wasn't I wasn't too surprised. I was I was disappointed that I thought that you know, given the issues that Fulham have, and they do have issues at the moment as a sort of filling certain holes in their squad. Um, I thought it was a game where. Uh, you could you could accept that certain players in the squad are still taking time to actually get up to full fitness. And I think you saw that with, um, not that I'm excusing the performances really, but I, I think I, th- I think you've seen that with a number of the players that, that I, I think in a few weeks' time, they'll probably be sort of at, at, at full sort of, I don't know, the way in which they plan their fitness and in terms of peaking or whatever. Uh, and, and a few are far from that. And I thought it was an opportunity for to put in someone like Elliot, for example, uh, on that right side, I, ne- I never expected Cater to come in on that right side. I think now it's actually pretty, it's pretty certain that Klopp sees him as a rotation option on the left side. I, I don't think he seems to play him too often on the right too much anymore, um, for whatever reason. But Elliot, I thought it, it it could have been an opportunity for him, given sort of his, some of his performances in preseason, given the energy that he has. Uh, I thought that was an option. I, I I didn't expect Nunes to start, and I I, I sort of agreed with that. I, I could sort of see the the logic behind bringing on somebody like Nunes later on when I hoped that we'd be we'd be ahead and that he, he'd come on to a tiring a, t- a tiring Fulham defence and, and give them a really hard time. He came on and did give them a hard time, but in a very different context. 
the back four is the back four, as you say. Great to see Ali back as well. Uh, Fab and Thiago never have any issues with that, uh, <laughs> although I <laughs> uh, haven't seen m- many performances from them like today as a unit. Uh, and then, yeah, Diaz and Salah, especially with some of the options that we've got at the moment with Jota still being out. Uh, yeah, that's 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 it's, it's pretty much what I expected. I, th- I think the the only conversation to be had is clearly in midfield. Uh, we we saw Klopp in preseason being very bullish about you know, him having enough options, and I think it does it, it does just come down to basically the fact that um, I think if, if if we're honest about it, looking at the past few seasons, Henderson is not an option as an eight in the system anymore. He he, he has he's not been consistent in that role for any length of time uh, over the past well, he has been years. consistent harry he has been oh, consistent consistently good he's been so consistently, <laughs> consistently crap he's been consistently <laughs> crap as an eight and this isn't just he's the last couple of seasons six, as, a, as a so-so six he, that's that's the only thing we've seen from him really to be honest take in, a look in, at jürgen klopp's entire tenure as liverpool manager and point me to this to the extended spell of jordan henderson being good as an eight ever one one half season wasn't even a half season. It wasn't even. It was about six games. He got six. dropped. Okay. He came off the bench against Southampton and scored. Had a half decent run of games and then went back to being crap again. He's mm-hmm. only ever impressed under Klopp as a six. Well, in terms best runs of form were the title winning season, which if people cared to go back and watch, he was awful as an eight to start the year. Moved to the six when Fab got hurt and played really, really well. And yeah. in this first half of the sixteen seventeen season. He was good in the number six position, and that's it. Well, in terms in terms of the lineup, Dave, just to keep it focused on that, if you were feeling that maybe Klopp dropped a clanger here, obviously that's one of the places you would be thinking. And I'm assuming, looking at what was available to us on the bench, and knowing your um, opinions on Jimbo Milner, that you're you're thinking like like Harry that this is an opportunity for Harvey Elliott because there's not a whole else lot there in terms of uh, opportunities for midfielders to come in unless you're going to go with a Carvalho. So w- let's take that as a given as one of the two, and you can tell me if I'm wrong. The only other thing I can see that you might have thought was something we were speaking about before the mics went live, which was I think we were both disappointed that Nunes didn't start Ooh. given given the impact he'd had in the last game and given the fact that. Um, Maybe we should just be honest about the fact that Bobby is the one who's going to be coming in to spell for what for other players. Um, I, 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 again, I don't see training. We don't know what the momentum is. We don't know what the various other scientific metrics are. Um, am I right in terms of those two being the things where you thought maybe the manager could have done something different and should have? Well, firstly, if managers base who they pick the team on, on tra- based on training, they should have a quiet word with themselves because Stuart Downing was notoriously brilliant at, in training. He was the best player day after day in training and he was shit when he played. So you can throw that out the window. Some players just train really well. Others train really badly. Darwin should have started. Darwin should have started. I mean, look, he came off the bench against Leipzig and absolutely destroyed them, scored four goals. He came off the bench against City last weekend and absolutely destroyed them. Like, he just ran amok against City, the second best defensive team in Europe last season behind us. And Darwin roasted their back four. This is Fulham. They're playing Tim Ream. He's 34 years of age and he's always, always been garbage in the Premier League. 
And up against Bobby today, he looked like Alessandro Nesta. Yeah, looked tremendous today, to be like, fair to him. This thing of, you know, Bobby's super important to us. Right. Bobby was poor in the, the title winning season. And we all said it. Game after game, we came on these podcasts and said, Bobby's form is concerning. Mo and Manny are really carrying him at the minute. In the season after, the COVID season, when Virgil got hurt, Bobby was awful. He had a decent season last year in a reduced role. Spot starts here and there, coming off the bench, playing slightly altered positions. But he hasn't been good as an out-and-out nine since the year we won the Champions League. And in fairness, he can only be good and will only be good if he's involved in the game, which he wasn't. I mean, how many touches does Bobby have in that first half, you know? The problem is, the way Bobby plays that role, he wants to drop into the number 10 position. He wants to drop into midfield. He wants to pick the ball up, get turned and get things moving. It's very hard for him to do that when Henderson has been instructed to play in those same areas. Like Henderson played that first half basically as a number 10 and just got in Bobby's way the entire time. And you said you've got no notes written down for Bobby for the first half. Mm. I have two. The first one is, his name's fucking Robert now. And the second <laughs> one is, get Robert off the field. <laughs> and that's it. Because he was awful. Bobby was awful today. Oh, he's graduated to Brian levels. This is tremendous. Yes. And last weekend, <laughs> if I'd been on, Adrian was losing the Spanishness of his name. And he oh, was absolutely. just fucking Adrian. Flat out Adrian, yeah. <laughs> but Bobby, I like that. Robert and Brian were that first half. Neither of them should have started. Like, we're told it's a meritocracy. Klopp picks the team based on merit. Bullshit. Utter bullshit. Henderson's in the team week after week. Doesn't matter how he plays. Hmm. Firmino never, gets games. Doesn't matter how he plays. It's never been the case. Andy Robbo was, was, was stinking the place out and Simicus should have been playing and he, yeah. he did because he's Robbo. Uh, yeah. that's, that's just not how Klopp works. And, and, and I have no problem with that because it works. So, it, you know, it works. Does it work though, Trev? For the most part, man, I, you know, Did like you win the league last year. Yeah, look, look, look. If you're gonna one league title, one league title from if if we don't win the league this season, like our window is starting to narrow as well because we've got a lot of aging players. Well, look, you know how I feel about this. The way I feel about this is that we should have lots lots more trophies on on the board than we do for this group of players in this era. All I'm got, I'm, I'm, and I'm trying to lean into the fact that at least we have some. Uh, but yeah, I, no, I, I, it's I, fair. It is fair. But, but if he but, was a little bit more ruthless, yes, just I, a little bit more ruthless, we'd have I, won the league last year because we were the best team in the league. I find myself very much going that way. I really, and I ha, I've said, I've said on this show, I just find myself going that way. Like I, I would prefer if he was a bit more ruthless at times. But then again, you know. Uh, the overall picture of things, we it's it's hard to be too critical. And before we let's let's get into the details of the match because that's what we're here for to is to analyse the game that's just gone, and we'll get plenty of chances to go down whatever rabbit holes we want to in terms of opinions. And just before we start, the referee today, Andy Madley. I mean, you look at that guy, and I thought, okay, well at least there's a chap who's uh, in good nick. He's a, a big unit, and he's 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 in he's in uh, good good uh, shape there. He looks fit, actually. As the, the match went on, I was going. I was thinking, this guy actually reminds me of Johnny Sexton. He's got the general look of him and sort of... That's a shout. Not far off the general build of Johnny Sexton. And then you and I were chatting before the before the show started. 
And I was telling you, there was a thing sort of formulating in my mind as we were going through it. I was going, this guy is physically fit and not quite like a unit in the, sh- in, the, in the way that some others are, but looks like he's got a bit about him. And I think he has no patience at all for certain types of seeing certain types of fouls. It's a mm. it's a really weird one. I thought his attitude to Mitrovic over the game was weird. I don't yes. I can't put it together. As 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 the as the show goes on, we'll see if we can work out what's going on there. But I think there's some sort of psychological issue going on there with Andy Manley and well, the way- there was moments in the match where Mitrovic just bullied our players. Like, he turned once in centre midfield and Henderson went to challenge him and he just bundled him to the floor because he's an absolute unit. Like, he's much bigger than Henderson. And Henderson's a big fella, but Mitrovic is just much bigger. And it's like, he does things like that. And then you see, over on the touchline, he leans into Milner and then he falls flat on his face and he gets a yeah. free kick. And, and that, I think the that... referee thinks... Well, he's such a big guy, it's clearly a foul if he's gone down. That's the way I'm leaning into it. I think that he's he's the guy, he's got so he's got a bit of physical self-possession about himself, does madly, and he thinks, well, if Mitrovic has gone over, then it must be a foul. And in fairness, what it was was world-class shithousery by Mitrovic, as was the penalty in a way, but we'll get to that. Let's get into the details of the match, and Harry, I'll go back to the start of the first half with you. And it's not exactly fun in the sun, if we're being honest here. The opening part of this game is very much all about Fulham's attitude. Mitrovic actually does find some space in the very first moment uh, on the right-hand side of our defence, got a shot away across the face of goal. The Fulham press in those opening minutes is excellent. They have no respect for uh, our reputation and status. Uh, there's actually a chance, a dangerous cross on three minutes, um, but all the Fulham players in the centre were offside. And the swagger that they were carrying themselves with, uh, Harry, was really notable. They were all over us. In that first eight minutes, we didn't carry the ball over the halfway line. They had a lot of space on the right-hand side of, of our uh, um, um, midfield and defence. Um, in fact, there was a Reed cross on eight minutes driven over that was caught by Ali quite safely on his chest. 13 minutes I'm in now at this stage, Harry. It was nothing from Liverpool. Nothing. Not a thing. No, no attacks. No forward-looking passes. They were winning almost every challenge. And then... And this is the pivot moment. We had the ball in the net from our first attack. We played through them. Uh, Robbo was offside as he took his shot on. A typical Robbo effort as it happens. But it spilled and Diaz swept a gorgeous finish home. Now, on a different day, uh, in a different setup, that's the moment that settles us. And I think the game goes a completely different way. Because it was one of those ones where a little bit of class and a little bit of luck and a bit against the run of play. And we would have settled. I think we go on. I think we do great things in that game. As it was, that's not what happened. Talk to me about that opening quarter of an hour or so and what you thought was going on there. Because it's easy to say things like... Oh, well, we just uh, we were getting overrun um, in midfield. Oh, uh, Trent, uh, defensive issues. We've always known it. You know, the usual kind of cliches are going to come out. And yeah, it's undeniable that the right hand side of the pitch, which it often is for various reasons we may come to, was an issue. What did you think was going on in that opening quarter hour? I just think I just thought we were being outworked at the start. Um, yeah. Trevor Tezzer, sort of the the aggression levels uh, from Fulham were right, sort of ratcheted up. 
as as you should expect. I I I I would just I I, I go back to it again because I feel like it's 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 one of the easiest things to predict. Uh, you don't need you know uh, science or stats to predict that there's going to be an intense opening from from that from that group of players uh, to try and sort of deal to. Uh, Deal with us, deal with our quality, try and stifle us, you know, get very tight into Fab, get very tight into Tiago, don't allow those players to have time on the ball. Um, you know, let let the likes of of of, of Van Dyke and Matip know that they're gonna be, you know, in a physical game. They're gonna be sort of, you know, small clips of the heel all over the place. You know, players are gonna be going down easily, trying to win free kicks, trying to wind you up, leaving one on you even after you played the ball. I thought there were plenty of opportunities or plenty of examples of that where you know, the ball is gone, but still something's been left on one of our players just to let them know that that's the sort of game that they're in. And so I I thought that there needed to be an adjustment pretty quickly. Either we were going to match that level of intensity or we we're going to do sort of what we talked about Thiago doing where you go, OK, fine, this is what this is how you're going to play. I'll slightly change the way I play so, so, so that the, that aggression is less effective. It's 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 not going to be something that causes us to get into really risky situations we're just going to play around you okay you know we have the better um the better quality players yes you can run around and be intense and, and do all that but we are going to sort of you know, pass the ball around you we're going to be smart about things we're not going to let ourselves get riled up or get into battles uh let the crowd get to us because obviously the crowd were right up um given that start as well and you're right i think something like on that 14th minute where yeah, Robbo's miles offside, um, but you know Diaz first time finish into the top top corner of the net, something like that, where there is you know a glimpse of of quality uh, can yeah you know, can sometimes act as a reminder to the to the opponent um, to the opposing side rather, and then maybe they do get a little bit sort of more anxious about okay should we be as aggressive? They'll drop back a little bit. Maybe uh, it will give confidence to our players, and we can build from there. But I didn't think that was that was really the case. I, I felt like they they went out there with quite a, quite a clear sort of game plan, just even beyond the tactics uh, the tax, uh, tactics of the game plan, just being intense, being physical, getting into our faces, um, and not letting us uh, have any opportunity to settle. And I think that's um, it's it's a, a pretty simplistic approach at times. And I was I was disappointed given that we we have faced that many many times, and the sides faced many different problems and figured out ways to deal with them. I was disappointed that they weren't sort of expecting that or showing showing me anyway that they were expecting that sort of performance from Fulham. And when you got the likes of Andreas Pereira acting sort of Johnny Big Balls around the pitch, it's massively, massively irritating. Uh, I think it sort of immediately just reminded me of like uh, Ricarlison levels, basically, like snide stuff. No, like I, I've got Man United friends who despise this guy. <laughs> really, really happy to see him leave the club. And so to see him striding around um, and uh, acting as though he was sort of the one of the most technically talented players on the pitch, leaving one in on Thiago on a couple of occasions, that's that's really irritating, right? So it's it's easy to get wound up. But I thought you could see even from the off, really, I thought Reed looked really strong. Uh, and even the way in which Palinha started as well, very, very aggressive in midfield, not letting our midfield have any time to settle. And um, they looked they looked old. I, I, I do I do have to say it that they looked like a midfield that is the age that they are and were shocked at the level of intensity and the level of energy that they, they were coming up against. Should we just do this now and get it out of the way because it's hanging over this show like a sort of a <laughs> a, 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 a a very stinky cloud of something. 
uh, I feel like we need to say it or get it out. So I want to give both of you an opportunity to to address this issue because it's it's going it's to be Andres Pereira. Or? It's not about Andres Pereira, <laughs> although he is a stinky cloud. No, it's, this is this is the whole what we're getting at here. You mentioned the age of the the age profile of the midfield. And it seems to be something, um, and I, I, like I said, I want to get something from both of you in this. It seems to be something that um, people um, adopt uh, almost an ideological stance on now, which I'll never understand. You're either all in on who we have because that's what Klopp has decided, inverted commas, and therefore anything else that you say is uh, you being mm-hmm. somehow disloyal and 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 um, not trusting in the science or whatever. Uh, or, or, you are um, absolutely wanting to c- camp on John Henry's doorstep to tell him how awful he is because we need a midfielder, you stingy bastard. Now, obviously, the reality is somewhere in between there. And I think when from I want to set this up by giving my own tokens worth. For me, it's it's never about necessarily even it's never been about the ability, the levels of ability of the personnel available it's about the durability of the personnel yeah. available and the the availability of those same players uh that's been the issue to me and there have been endless reminders that oxlade chamberlain is a sick note that tiago is injury prone we have to keep an eye on the fact that fab although he's a tank might be able to pick up a thing here or there that Henderson is now very injury prone or com- comparatively compared to the earlier days and is aging, that Jimmy Milner is old enough to be my dad. We have to keep an eye on these things. And we clearly wanted a young, energetic midfielder. Now, let's just, like I say, get this out of the way now so we can be said at the start of the season while the window is still open, because I don't want to I don't want to be coming back to it on a repeated uh, basis. How are you feeling about going in? And, and I know the Thiago injury today colours things a little bit. But how are you feeling about that setup before I ask Dave the same question? Yeah, no, so I think I, I, I have some questions around the quality of some of those midfielders if they're played in certain roles. And, and, we, and, we, and we've already talked about that a little bit. But in terms of sort of as a group of players, yeah, they're a quality group of midfielders. Um, if they were fit 100% of the time, I'd be, you know, I'd be delighted on the whole, on the whole. I, do I think we could improve on that? On that unit, I do think we can improve on that unit. Um, the durability uh, is is one of the main concerns for me, uh, as well as quality in that group. Because I, I I do think from many years ago we've seen sort of given the sorts of players we were looking at, sort of Fakir, different kinds of players like that. That there has been a profile of player that we've looked at in that midfield that we never really pursued. And as a result, there's always been the sort of the, the sense that there's something something missing from that unit, to be honest. Even when we've had Fab and Thiago there doing wonderful things um, as well, you, you do wonder who is the ideal in their heads for that right-sided role, for example. But the durability is a concern because I do think once this team gets, let's say Thiago doesn't go off injured today, once this team does get sort of fully ramped up fitness-wise, for the most part, it is not an issue because these midfielders, when they are fit and fully ramped up, can deal with a a team that is a bit more energetic, giving it to them for 20, 30 minutes. They've figured that out nine times out of 10. The older they get, the harder that will be. And I, I do... I do fear that if a side like Fulham, yes, there were some players today who I thought played well, and I think Palinia deserves special attention, but it shouldn't be that simple or that easy to disrupt um, a Liverpool midfield, basically. And I worry that the older this group gets, 
it, it perhaps is going to be a little bit easier for teams that are nowhere near the quality uh, to do that. And so I think you mentioned it, Trev, there was that clear interest in Chiuameni. Uh Yes, he's a very unique type of midfielder, but I think the fact that there was that clear interest in him sort of signals pretty clearly, despite what Klopp's going to be willing to say, that, yeah, they were looking in, in midfield for a particular profile of player. I think that the side really suffers from that player not not being there. Um, you know, a durable 24, 25-, 26-year-old quality midfielder who we can rely on for the vast majority of games, uh, who is going to be able to put himself about in the same way as we've seen some of these, other, these players do in previous seasons um, without the fear that they're going to be missing for a large chunk of the season or that their talents are dwindling because they're getting on a bit. So, yeah, I, I, I think it's, it's pretty clear. I, I think quite quite the, the majority of us can see it, if even if we're not willing to admit it. Uh, and as Dave mentions, for a, large, for a large chunk of last season, which is kind of strange to say, considering how it ends in terms of we're so close, uh, I think for a large chunk of last season, uh, compromising in midfield and not being able to control games in midfield did ultimately cost us the league. And your point, Trevor, around the window that, that, that these players have to win elite honours, are we wasting it? I think by by not addressing that midfield situation, that you, you are taking the risk that you know that that compromise will cost us that's how high the standard is unfortunately yeah it, it wouldn't have been that way for the vast majority of premier league seasons but it is the way now so yeah it's it it, it is a big concern it is a big concern dave your tuppence worth on the wisdom or lack thereof of not adding to that unit while we still can trev we needed a midfielder last summer and the same people who said we didn't need one last summer were proven wrong across last season when it cost us the league and have doubled down in the most arrogant way possible to claim that we still don't need a midfielder. And their entire logic is Jürgen thinks we don't need a midfielder. Well, that's not true because why did he meet with Chuameni then? Why did we have the lad in for a medical? Like we, it wasn't that we had a fleeting interest. No matter what Neil Jones and David Lynch and the rest of the journalists want to tell you, there was far more than a fleeting interest. That lad was coming to Liverpool until Mbappe said no to Real and Real threw all the money at him. He was coming to Liverpool. That's just how it is. So <clears throat> Klopp clearly did want a midfielder. And there's a reason Julian Ward is basically living in fucking Dortmund since the start of July. So there's that as well. The midfielder thing, we clearly do need one and people will say oh but look at the numbers we have okay well let's go through them individually Thiago is is 30 31 soon enough and injury prone great player but injury prone and we know that he is going to miss a significant portion of the season and how do we know that Trev well we know it because we can look at the last couple of seasons in his first season with us, he missed 14 league games. And last season, he missed 13 league games. We played 63 games last season in all competitions. Thiago only played in 39 of them. You look at his time at um, Bayern Munich, he missed 10 games in his last league season there, four the previous season, 15 the season before that, uh, seven and seven. So he always misses a chunk of the season. And like I say, you look at his age, actually, sorry, he is 31. He is 31. So he's the wrong side of 30. Then you go Fabinho. 
also a world-class operator. He turns 29 in October of this year. And Fab misses 8 to 10 league games every season. And again, we played 63 games last season. Fab played 48. That's the most by far he played for us. By far. But he's only ever hit 30 games in the league once. And that was it, 30. 29 and 28 in the other two. So he always misses a bunch of games. Then you get Naby Keita, who's the next one down in terms of talent. Well, we know Naby's problems are injuries. And we know that Naby can't be relied on from a physical point of view. When he plays, he's generally very good. But there's injury issues there. So that's our top three midfielders, our three best midfielders. Now, Klopp might prefer to start Brian instead of Naby. And that's fine. But those are the three best midfielders of the club, and all of them are injury-prone. Then you look at the rest. Henderson is 32 years of age and hasn't been good at all for the last two years, has had mass amounts of injuries. I believe five of the seasons that Jurgen Klopp has been Liverpool manager, Jordan Henderson has missed the end of the season through injury, which obviously is less than ideal. Uh, last season, and I think the year we won the European Cup, are the only seasons in which he's been fit at the end of the season. He said season-ending injuries in all of the others, and all of them cost him, you know, two and three months at a time. So you've got age, injuries, and simply not being good enough in his case. As, a, as an eight, as a six, he's fine, but as an eight, he's not good enough. Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain hasn't been good enough to start for this club since his knee exploded, and that's just the that's just the honest truth of it. Ox has not been good enough to start for this club for a few years now. And rarely He's, available. And rarely, and, and always injured. A lovely lad, a great lad. You, you always want the best for Ox. But he hasn't been good enough, and he's got injury issues. And again, he's also 29, or turning 29 this year. I'm not sure which it is. Right, so that's him out the door. James Milner's 37 years of age. 37, he hasn't been good enough to be a starter for this team for years. It's not a coincidence that we elevated ourselves to a world-class level at the same time James Milner came out of the team. We moved past the level of James Milner being good enough to start week in, week out years ago. He's fine as a squad player for 10 minutes here, 15 there. You can't be having him and Henderson on the pitch on the opening day of the season for 35 minutes like we saw today. That's unacceptable. That tells you you've got an issue. And he's also had a bunch of niggly injuries over the last few years. So again, age, quality, and injuries with him. So who else is there? Curtis Jones. Is there any evidence that Curtis Jones is good enough to start regularly for this Liverpool team? There's not. He's a talented player who's yet to show he's good enough to play for Liverpool. And then there's Harvey Elliott, who's a child, a child. He's 19. He missed a chunk of last season with a horrendous ankle injury. And when he came back from that ankle injury, Klopp sat him in the stands. There was games at the end of the season where Klopp had him sat in the stands, not even on the bench. So you're telling me he's going from that to all of a sudden he's going to be the saviour of our season. He's the one that's going to come in and elevate the midfield. In this game, you're only ever as good as your weakest link. Now, man for man, we're a better team than City. 
We've got a better goalkeeper, a better right back. Our centre backs are better than theirs. I think they've got a slight advantage at left back, but it's close. Robbo's really, really good. I just think Kinsale's a little bit better. In midfield, Thiago versus Bernardo Silva, you're talking about two of the very best players in the world, two absolutely elite operators. You can pick whichever one you want. I prefer Thiago, but if someone says Bernardo, I'm I'm okay with that. Same goes with Fab and Rodri. Both world-class, both best in class in their position. Don't mind who you pick. They're both sensational. Up front, they've got Riyad Mahrez. We've got Salah. It's clearly Salah as the better player, but Riyad Mahrez is still very, very good. Through the middle, we're going to have Nunes. They're going to have Haaland. And on the left, we've got Diaz. They're going to have Phil Foden. Every one of those positions is at least a discussion. Mahrez versus Salah. It's a discussion. It's Salah, but it's a discussion. Virgil versus Laporte is clearly Virgil, but Laporte is excellent. Like, Laporte is a top five defender in the league. Virgil's just number one. Diaz versus Matip is close. Walker, while not as good a footballer as Trent, is a better defensive player than Trent. So there's a discussion to be had there. Same at left back. Robbo's a better defender than Canseo, but Canseo's a better footballer. The only position in which it's in no way close, in which the gulf is absolutely enormous, is Kevin De Bruyne versus Jordan Henderson. Our weakest link in our team is Jordan Henderson. City's weakest link is probably Riyad Mahrez. He's probably the worst player in their starting eleven, And he was footballer of the year in a team that won the title, as Henderson was, but he deserved it. That's the difference. He was actually the best player on a team that won the title. Henderson won it because of his PR. And Mares is a better player now than he was then. He's actually improved. Henderson is a significantly worse player than he was then. And he's playing a different position. He's now been asked to play on the right side of midfield in his Football of the Year campaign. His all his best performances came as a six. You're only as good as your weakest link. And Jordan Henderson is a far weaker link in our team than anybody City have. So when Simon Brundish and others say, well, City have a smaller squad than us, look at the calibre of players they have. There's no Ox in their squad. There's no Curtis. There's no Henderson in their squad. There is elite level players up and down their squad list. We have weak points and we don't have that third quality starting midfielder but because because of Thiago's injury issues and Naby's injury issues the best course of action is what we saw last year for the most of the season which was Klopp rotating them one of them plays and we're fine without either of them we're screwed but again Look at our a, results last season when neither of them played it's, abomination it's, it's availability Dave and we still can fix and address that that's my point. That, that, that's my point. It's, it's it, you know, like I say, people are going to be uh, ridiculous on either level of, of the of the discussion, but it can be addressed. It is not, can. you know. Like uh, Jordan uh, Henderson can still play a very valuable role in this squad. 100%. As a backup six to Fabinho, who can play against the lesser teams. You can pick and choose his games. You can you can make a valuable squad player of him coming off the bench with ten to go as a burst of energy. Though his legs have clearly are clearly deserting him, but still he can come on and give you a lift in energy for ten minutes. But he can't play that role. He just can't. 
today, like, he completed 73% of his passes. This is not a fella trying high-risk passes. He gave the ball away 19 times. He only had it 70 times. He gave it away 19 times out of 70 touches. That's awful. He's not technically good enough on the ball to play the role that is required. He's fine as a six. He's not good as an eight. He never has been good as an eight, bar that one little run in the year we won the European Cup. And that's it. And it's not to slight him. That's just how it is. And he is holding this team back. It's not his fault, though. It's not his fault. It's the fault of the fellow that picks him. It's the fault of the fellow who picks him. And perhaps the mindset of those who are not recruiting another person to change this whole setup, which is kind of back to square one. Anyway, let's drive this forward towards the goal that they score uh, with yourself, Dave. That was about, I left off with Harry just about after the 15-minute Martis. Tete gets a yellow very late on Diaz. And to be fair, if it wasn't the first big challenge of the game, it could have been a red. It was dangerous, but I think he kept his toes down, which probably stood to him. Yeah, the foot pointed down, I think, saved him. Saved him there. Uh, we then started to get into the game a little bit, bit of possession, some nice uh, football, a bit of a move, dangerous rubber ball in on 21 minutes. Uh, Mo had a near post header, um, which went over the top uh, from a Trent cross uh, with the captain inside crying at him that he was better positioned to head it. 23 minutes, there was a free in and Reem really should do better. He kind of drives his header um, across the face of goal towards the corner flag when he's actually ahead of his man. Um, but the ball breaks and it's uh, breaks. I think it's, a, I can't remember whether it's Harrison has a shot. It's deflected wide by Joel anyway, from that corner, another dangerous moment. Uh, Virgil gets a, a little bit of a flick to it, but it goes across the face of goal and they have again, their tails up 29 minutes. Reed is a half volley blocked by Robbo. It's a good hit. It's on target. Um, a dangerous, very dangerous Cabano cross on 30 minutes minutes and it's looking like this is actually only going to go one way Paulinho basically stamps on Henderson the deliberate nature of it or otherwise I don't think should really be part of the discussion um a foul is a foul whether you intended to foul or not uh you know you can make that accidental argument and yet at the same time if you just do something that is foul it's still a foul regardless of your intent well it's so fucking late as well it's so that's that's the point henderson plays that awful pass which has been cut out before paulinia makes contact with him yeah that that's so late into it that's kind of my take and that's why it makes it makes the people who are talking about intent look a bit silly because regardless it's still a fucking foul on our player who is on the deck and as he's on the deck, they go forward. Uh, there's a deep cross from Tete. Uh, Mitrovic is at the back post. Uh, Trent is sort of backing into him, but not with any great intent. And Mitrovic does what a proper number nine does and gets up and heads the ball uh, very well to the back of the net. It's the simplest of goals. Um, it's something that we should have dealt with. The cross probably shouldn't come in the first place. Uh, the overlapping run shouldn't occur and all that kind of stuff. And it is now, to be fair, down that left side of ours in this case that, you know, the cover wasn't there. Uh, uh, the cross wasn't stopped. The deep ball to the back post, it's easy to look at Trent now. And that will no doubt be the inverted commas narrative about how he well, can't. That, 
Let's look at Trent then, right? So, firstly, you're right. The overlap comes down the other side. But, ideally, Jordan Henderson would have been back helping Trent at the back post. But he couldn't because he was on the ground in a heap after having his ankle stood on. So, not only is there a foul on him, it also takes him out of the resulting play. 100%. Because he's the right-sided midfielder who you would want getting back to help out his mate at the back post. So, we get done twice on that one incident of Henderson getting his ankle stamped on. The Trent thing, Trent is what, 5'11", maybe brushing six foot with his hair. And he's probably, what would you say, 11 stone, 11 and a half stone. Mitrovic is 6'2", 6'3", and about 14 and a half stone. Now, what I want you to do, anybody who wants to have a pop at Trent, is I want you to stand still, then start walking backwards, then have a much bigger, much heavier person jump up and put their arms on your shoulders. And then I want you to try and jump. Because you're not going to be able to. Mitrovic gets up early and is holding himself up on Trent, which is what you want your forward doing at the back post. It's not a foul or anything by Mitrovic. But it's very, very clever. There is absolutely no way for Trent to jump and contest that header properly because Mitrovic jumps early. And Mitrovic is almost landing as he heads the ball. And he heads it on to Trent's head or Trent heads it on to his head, whichever way it is. But look at what Mitrovic does. He jumps in early and puts Trent down. There is no way for Trent to defend that any better than he does. It's not good defending. I'm not saying it is at all. But if you're going to try and criticise him for that, again, just get someone bigger and heavier than you to put their hands on your shoulders. To jump up, say, Dave, land, I mean, and you, then have you jump. Can, can you name a right back in the league who you think would, would deal with that situation? I mean, like, it's, no. it's, 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 no, it's really difficult. Tommy Asu might be the only one because he's about 6'2", and yeah. he's a natural centre-back, so he's just got better instincts at dealing with things like that. But... Like, Sam Maguire had a piece out recently about Kyle Walker and how he gets done at the back post quite frequently. And people will tell you Kyle Walker is a shining example of what a defensive right-back would be. Um, I don't think you can blame Trent too much. I, look, Trent didn't have a good game today. And the goal did seem to shake him a little bit because he was actually playing OK until that point. And he'd hit a couple of lovely cross-field passes and he was in the game starting to run things. Um, and that goal just seemed to completely shake his confidence. I, I'd agree. And, and, and you know, ironically, even if you put Joe Gomez in there, it's difficult because you talk, you're talking about a big man with momentum and all the rest of it. And it's a fantastic he's, finish. He's huge. Like, yeah, he's yeah. absolute, And he is, he is running in full speed. So all his momentum goes into Trent. There's no way Trent can get off the ground to try and defend it any better. And anyone saying he can... You're absolutely delusional, like. Two attempts to sort of right things in the first half. Trent had a switch ball to Robbo. Robbo's cross was very powerful, but it was more of a cross shot and it didn't really give anyone an opportunity to get in on it. 
you know, it looked like a good delivery. It wasn't a good delivery. On 38 minutes, it was another great move. Thiago slid, slid in Diaz down the left. Um, Diaz has a fantastic attempt, flashes across the goal, hits the post and, and, and continues to travel. Um, that's it for the first half, Harry. The second half, I think, I was certainly thinking Klopper was going to change it up because we had been pretty woeful. Um, no changes occur on either side. And before you know it, Thiago's got a hamstring issue and the sub on 50 minutes is not just a sub, but two. Um, yes, Thiago goes off uh, for Harvey Elliott, but also Darwin comes on for Bobby Firmino. Um, Trent actually does pretty well um in in a bit of a press that leads to a corner in 52 minutes but nothing really sort of takes hold for us in fact if anything momentum slides back towards them uh 56 minutes they're all over us tim ream stepped in versus darwin uh in a challenge the ball breaks to cabano he has a wicked shot that hits the inside of the post uh, got traveling from right to left and crashes, flashing across the, the face of the goal with the power of it. Uh, eventually, another shot um, um, is need to be dealt with by Ali as well. Like so much for the impact of our subs at that point. Milner comes on for Fabinho at 58. Most people's eyebrows have raised through the roof of whatever building they're in at this point. Um but on 59 minutes, Darwin gets an opportunity. He's in after Diaz puts his foot in. The ball breaks uh, and he centers. Uh, Darwin chooses to try and center or find a teammate when he could possibly have taken a touch and shot. 61 minutes, Mo puts a ball across to Darwin, who has a little flick finish, uh, which is saved by the keeper. And But wouldn't you just know it, Harry? A couple of minutes later, exactly the same thing happens. It's a Mo cross into Darwin Nunes. Mo's coming down his usual channel, puts over a lovely ball. It's perfectly uh, placed. It's a fantastic assist. And Darwin's flick finish is gorgeous. However, if you actually look at it in slow motion, the BT lads were having a real, um, uh, making a real effort to try and claim there was some sort of deflection. But what actually happens is the ball comes off the defender's uh, foot and actually goes to the perfect place, kisses off the defender's foot, and goes to the perfect place on Darwin's instep as he's executing the flick, and gets this perfect contact, which makes it hammer home, and it it just looks awesome. It's It actually ends up being a gorgeous contact, which drives yeah. the ball home. Um, there's an element of fortune to it, but there's a deliberate nature to what he's doing, so I will take that all day. We'll just pause there for a second if there's anything you want to say about that goal or about that period of the match, which was really weird. The initial substitutions didn't seem to work. In fact, Fulham got their tails up. We break it up again with the Miller introduction, and then we have chance and then repeat chance and goal. Yeah, I mean, I think it's 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 worth saying this is um this is a a different a, a different variation of Milner that we've come to you know experience. Obviously, we've had headband Milner, we've had losing height when he dribbles Milner. <laughs> this is this is bearded uh, Milner. I'm sure that we'll find out uh, throughout the season that there are the same. Uh, the same drawbacks to the pitted Milner as the other as the other evolved forms of of Milner, but I have to admit, in the cameo, I thought he made some intelligent runs. He did. <laughs> I thought he put I thought he, he put in some good good crosses crosses that were good for a player like Darwin Nunes to to feed off. Um, and um, I, don't, I I can't remember if he kicked uh, anybody, but I, I hope he did because I think that was it was needed given the sort of the kind of game 
that he uh, he was brought into. Um, just just one point before we get to sort of the Nunes goal, because I think it was it was good that we saw sort of like the um, the practice run for it with sort of Salah doing more or less the identical thing he did for the for the goal itself, and Nunes trying the same finish. But there was a moment just before where. Uh, Again, it's, it's 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 not looking to bash any individual players here. It involves individual players, but there was a moment when you mentioned that Tim Ream uh, sort of like uh, jumping in on on Nunes, who wasn't really alive to the fact that he was about to lose the ball, uh, and then there was a little bit of a chance for for Fulham, and the commentators made a point of saying that uh, oh Henderson's just given it you know both barrels to uh, to Nunes, you know welcome to the Premier League, all that sort of stuff that gets uh, that gets trotted out, and I did have to say I was like. It's remarkable that uh, someone has the Ghanas to to give it to Nunes, a 23-year-old making his <laughs> debut in a cameo, um, uh, for, for losing the ball uh, or not being alive to the intensity of a game. He'd literally been on for a minute um, after you've had a game like that. So if, it's, it's, it's really – and it's not just Henderson. I, I've, I've seen loads of players do it, and you go, wow, you really – you really don't have much much self awareness, but it was it was just a remarkable bit. And, and, and let's be honest, I mean Nunes had no idea what what he was saying properly. Exactly, <laughs> um, exactly. And um, that all he knows is that someone's just screaming at him. Uh, and then to be fair to the guy, I mean, I think you, you all you saw immediately just the the benefits of having a striker in the box who. And me, those two centre backs looked at each other and went, "Okay, well, we have we have to deal with this. You know, this guy's running towards us. He wants to run in behind us. He wants to, all all he cares about really is getting into the box uh, and being a nuisance for us. That's very different to what we just had to deal with with that Brazilian guy who's gone off. Um, he immediately occupied them, sort of both mentally, you know, their positions of where they w- were placing themselves on the pitch, and." All of a sudden, you're seeing Salah appear in these one v one situations, which is all you ever want to do for Salah. Basically, is get him into one v one situations where he can more often than not beat his man, or he'll, he'll make a he'll make a damn good attempt at it. And uh, yeah, I thought the finish was lovely. Really happy that he's got that immediately sort of off of his back in terms of you know, scoring a goal on his first on his first start for for the club. Um, and I think yeah, we'll, we'll come on to talk about it. But you know. Nunez is a large part of the reason why we actually emerge with a with a point from this game. A hundred percent, and you're right. It's no it's no coincidence that Mo starts to emerge as a fa- feature in the game all of a sudden, because immediately after the goal, 66 minutes. In fact, Darwin took down a long ball that was just driven towards him because now we can do that. And he was trying to sort his feet out and poked one towards the goal. It was a moment of danger for them, a moment that rattled them. 68 minutes, Mil- Milner drove another ball into Darwin. His knockdown is met by Diaz, his shot is deflected for a corner. You know, the lad is immediately a feature in the match in a very positive way for us and a very negative way for them. But just as we're building up that head of steam and momentum, and it's looking like we're going to carry this um, way, ride this wave of momentum towards a victory. We are, and I'll, t- I'll stay with you, Harry, and then get Dave's taken it. We are actually goal down again because of this penalty, which is awarded by Andy Madley uh, to Mitrovic, who, as he's, making his way towards goal, sees Virgil stick a leg in. There's, if anything, the most minute of knee-to-knee contacts. It's still not 100% clear to me whether there is or not. Virgil clearly pulls his leg away, but it doesn't matter because by that stage, Mitrovic has already decided he is going to shithouse the hell out of this. He does it. They get the decision. Honestly, Mo does that. Sadio does that in a previous season. If Darwin did it in this season... 
I'm I'm okay with it. So I'm not going to give Mitrovic any shit about it. I'm not even going to lean too heavily into the fact that it's a not clear and obvious error or whatever. VAR decide that in their wisdom that it's definitely a penalty. I'm not sure how I feel about this. I, I know that a lot of people will say there's no contact, but I can't tell definitively from those replays whether there is or not. And Virgil gives the referee a decision to make by sticking his leg in. That's my take on it. What's yours? Yeah, so my take on it was that um, uh, it's a dive. Uh, there is contact. There is contact when he's going down. Uh, there's, uh, I think there's, there's more or less knee-on-knee contact. Mitrovic is already looking to do exactly what he ends up doing. Um, as we see strikers do across the league and they buy penalties. Um, I, I no doubt we've seen probably in, in, in the past games. I can't remember. Uh, Luis Suarez do exactly the same thing. Um, it felt cheap because it, it was pretty obvious what was going to be happening uh, from the off that Mitrovic was looking to flop. Um, but that, I do think that there, there was some contact on, on, on the replays, obviously not enough, you know, to, make him sort of throw himself to the ground. But that's what strikers are going to do to try and sort of get an advantage in, in that situation. I thought it was lazy. I thought it was lazy from Virgil. Um, I thought there were a couple of moments today where, you know, sort of at his at his worst, I think that's what sort of often the adjective we use, isn't it, to describe um, Virgil. Sometimes you can just be a little bit lethargic in some of the way in which he defends, a bit casual, um, I, I, I didn't think there was a need to dangle his leg out like that. Uh, you know, if if Dejan had done that in years gone past, we'd have been very annoyed at him for just giving the opportunity to the striker there. But I think it's it's an example of a striker winning a penalty um, instigating contact, if you will, if it, if that was sort of the case on the replays. I've only seen it a few times, but I didn't have I didn't have much expectation for that to be overturned. You know. No, not at all, Dave. I mean, once it went to VAR, there was no danger of it being anything other than a penalty. Just for the sake of it, your tuppence worth on the decision and uh, and on on, on Virgil's um, um, contribution to it. Um, it's poor from Virgil, but you have to ask why Virgil is having to pick him up with that clear of a run on goal. Where's your holding midfielder? That's a First thing I'd wonder. Um, I didn't think Virgil had a particularly good game, but I thought he was left with an awful lot to do. Joel seemed to go rambling forward quite often, which is fine if someone's covering back in for him, such as your holding midfielder, which we saw Fabinho do. And then when Fabinho went off, that stopped. And it was just Virgil by himself in his own half with all of our players ahead of the ball, um, which isn't ideal. The contact is minimal. It is a dive. Let's be really clear. It is a dive. It's not a penalty. It's not a foul. It's marginal contact. There's a an angle from where the referee is looking that shows that there's not enough contact to bring him down. But he goes down, and once he goes down and gives it, it's never getting overturned because it's not a clear and obvious error. Exactly. Um, there's no there's no intent from Virgil. So if you're arguing intent for the foul on Henderson, then it just makes your argument look silly. So if you know what I mean, it's the same thing. It, 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 I, I agree with you. It's always going to get given. Um, like Harry but, said, it, it's a very Lovren-esque sort of action from Virgil. Um, he gives the referee a decision to make. It, it, remember the penalty that Calvert-Lewin got at Anfield a few years back when Lovren put his hand on his back? Yeah, and Calvert Lewin just went oh, great and threw himself on the floor. That's yeah. what's happened today. Virgil swung a leg, and Mitrovic has gone brilliant and just thrown himself to the ground. And he's given the referee a decision to make. 
you never give the referee a decision to make ever because it will always go against you because that's just who they are and once it was given it wasn't getting overturned so um it's not a penalty but i don't i don't have any real gripe to go against it uh, virgil should just do better but virgil shouldn't have been left in that position to begin with we've just gotten back into the game why are we committing so many players the way we are what what are we doing here where's the game management here where's the leadership that we're told of it all the time like we've heard for years that those type of performances don't happen when the captain's in the team and yet the captain was front and center setting the standard of shit for today there's some loose stuff going on in that period of time no doubt about it and it continues because we try to force the game um at a couple of occasions but one of those occasions immediately after the goal um well not immediately after the goal about five minutes after it is um does result in us getting level but before that there is a henderson through ball to darwin he hits a half volley across goal no blame there. I'm glad to see it forward having a shot, to be honest, at that point of the game. Carvalho comes on for Diaz, um, and he has an, a chance with his first touch. The ball breaks to him from a corner, and he hits a kind of inside-of-the-foot volley um, where he tries to direct it. Um, the numbers, the by-the-numbers option probably would have been to hit it down and low and see how it pings, but he went for the, the, the roof of the net. It sails over. But we are level on 80 minutes, Dave. It's Mo Salah. The ball is hit forward by Trent. It comes off Tim Ream. Uh, then Darwin takes a touch on it, which breaks to Mo, and Mo sort of, Mo's touch sort of dribbles in. It's far from picture book, but it's enough. Now, that's 80 minutes, and we should have a chance at this point to turn this into a sort of a face-saving, morale-boosting occasion. There's enough of the game left. But instead, the game just sort of peters away with Mitrovic up uh, in our defensive area, diving again and getting a free kick on 86 minutes. And then they decide to do the substitution on 88. They bring on Kearney for Pereira. Then there's a yellow card for Reid, who takes one for the team. They they add five minutes, and that's still not enough for us because nothing is happening here. We're forcing it. There are sloppy balls by Virgil, sloppy balls by Joel. We just don't seem to have that thing about us where... I don't know. I've it's been a feature of 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 the team where we just we're gonna win. You just know we're gonna win, but it didn't feel like that. Uh, Mitrovic on the deck again with cramp deep into this injury time, and on the ninety third minute they make another substitution. This is by the book stuff. You got to give their manager credit. Mm. You got to give their play, players credit. It's absolutely world class. Uh, time management shithousery, whichever way you want to look at it. And there is a chance, right at death, I think it's the 95th minute of some 96-odd that are played. The ball is laid back to Henderson, who has uh, crashes a shot, one of those sort of uh, hooky uh, cross shots that he does, and it hits and rattles the crossbar. Um, And it would have been, I think, you know, it could have been one of those moments on which uh, like I say, morale uh, uh, morale boosts and, 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 and season shift. It wasn't to be. Um, and that's that. Nothing else happens. So it's kind of wrap-up time as I look at the clock. We've gone on a few lengthy tangents, and that's absolutely what we should be doing at this because we're all, we're all of us here trying to find our feet and understand 
what it is that's going on. I'm reading quotes from Jurgen. I rather I wasn't reading where he's saying, look, a transfer must make sense now. And in the long term, we have midfielders. We have still enough midfielders. It's not that we lack midfielders, but it's just that some of them are injured. So I think that probably tells you pretty much a lot of fucking midfielders because James Milner was the first midfielder you could bring off the bench today. Harvey Elliott plays in midfield. He's a striker. I didn't understand Klopp today at all. Why bring Darwin on when Thiago got hurt? Why not bring him on at halftime? What did that four minutes or whatever it was accomplish? Like You didn't see anything from Bobby in those four minutes that made you change your mind about keeping him on. So why not make that change at halftime? And the kid was apparently on the pitch training at halftime. So, you know, he was doing his warm-ups. It's, Absolutely it's, it's, odd. it's odd look do you know what you get your thoughts together there and I'm going to come back to you to finish the show with your wrap up and I'm going to do exactly that with you now Harry I mean look it's a bit of a flat one there's no two ways about it there are a lot of downsides we look at Thiago limping off injured um, we've uh, exercised a few ghosts here between us today in, in terms of the, the, the negativity uh, there's no two ways about it but it's two points dropped in a season where we're up against a team that is a machine like Manchester City that's the only way you can look at this of course it's redeemable of course we look to Crystal Palace and hopefully uh, find our rhythm and get uh, back to what is far more familiar in terms of form and results Um, and I'm still optimistic for that but on today it's it's left a sour taste in my mouth for a number of reasons let me get your final thoughts and sum up on the match yeah, and I think it's. I think the overarching thing is, uh, overarching feeling is is, is disappointment. You know, because you you hope that your team is going to be mentally ready uh, to to start the season. We've seen this this group of players uh, sort of achieve phenomenal sort of uh, you know records as a group in terms of sort of what they've been able to uh, work through, what they've been able to win, what they've come close to winning. Even though I know that's a bittersweet thing to say but you know this is a really talented resilient group of players and the fact that it appears and even from Klopp's comments as well and again you always take those with a pinch of salt that actually I think they they, they turned up with um, at least one thing uh, one of the things that was wrong today was the wrong attitude I, 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 I just don't understand how they weren't preparing themselves for what came their way the manager has to take a lot of criticism as um as as Dave has mentioned there around sort of um, you know, putting his players in the best position to perform at their best. Uh, um, I'm, I, 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 I take the positives, like we were saying at the start, around Nunes, the impact that he made, uh, and, and and obviously bodes really well for for the remainder of the season as he becomes even more comfortable, even more used to uh, playing with these players as well. Um, and again, some of the positives around Elliot's cameo as well, but it needs to be a lot better than that. Uh, I, I suppose what I'd be clinging on to is that we rarely see back-to-back performances um, where the um, the intensity uh, and the level of aggression is is lacking from this team. We see back-to-back performances at times where the same issue is left unaddressed, and that's incredibly frustrating. And we've we've talked about that um, at length uh, today to the midfield and our, and our feelings on it. But I'd be very surprised. If um if this Liverpool side rock up at Anfield um what is it on the 15th of August against Palace um with a not with a vastly improved um, attitude level of intensity uh, and desire to sort of get those to get the three points because as you mentioned the standards are so high that we just really cannot 
um, you know, be giving City any sort of room to to pull away from us. That's that's the unfortunate reality of it. So, yeah, a disappointing start again because you you know, you you get positive based on what you see and you're hoping that you start it off on the right foot. So we're immediately on the back foot. But I, I would back this uh, group of players to be able to respond. But I, I I'd rather not see the stubborn statements about the number of midfielders that we have. I do I do think it's an issue. And I think if we were just honest about that and, and, and try to address it or decide that, you know, certain players aren't, aren't going to play in certain roles that they used to play in before. And that, and that gives a bit more flexibility. Maybe that can be a solution as well. But um, yeah, it's, uh, it's bittersweet. I mean, I was, I, was, I was hoping Nunes would grab a winner, Trev, so just so we could have that to enjoy at the end of it. But um, I'm, I'm, I'm glad it's not, you know, a loss because that, there are definitely points today where it looked like it could be a loss. And in terms of the week to come, Harry, rivalry con. Yeah, there's another one coming up ahead of the ahead of the Palace game, and I've been doing obviously those those pods, um, sort of the, the those preseason pods. I've been doing looking at sort of the big six and, and what shape they think that they're they're in coming into the season. And I think I've got just one more of those uh, to come out, which is on on Chelsea, which has obviously had a very eventful um, few months. So that'll be out as well. Thanks for that, man. And Dave, your final thoughts on a very strange start to the season. An awful start to the season. Um, performance was shocking. Absolutely shocking. Start to finish. Uh, we wouldn't have deserved to win that game. If that... Henderson shot had somehow found its way into the goal, we would have had an undeserved win. We'd have taken it, but it would have been undeserved. Fulham deserved their point. They probably deserved all three, in truth. Um, we were just that poor, led by our captain, uh, with Robert giving him, you know, good support, uh, setting standards and that kind of thing. But like I said earlier, the blame goes on Klopp. Klopp picked the team. Klopp made the subs. Klopp has to answer for it. And he has come out that he's been very honest about it. He said we were terrible. He said the result is any or the, the point is any good thing about it. But <clears throat> sorry, a point a point isn't good enough away to Fulham. Like it's just not. They, this is a game we have to be winning. You don't win this Premier League title against this city team dropping points away to Fulham. So we've got to get our act together. We've got to get it together quickly because Palace are better than Fulham. Uh, Palace always cause us some issues. Now, they've had a terrible pre-season because half their players couldn't go on their tour, so why they went on it, I don't know. So they had basically one training camp in the UK and one in Asia, which is just the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard of. Uh, they looked completely out of sorts for the first half against Arsenal, but played very well in the second half and were unfortunate not to get a draw. So they'll come to Anfield thinking they can get something. If they watch that game... They'll be confident they can get something. Uh, but we need our lads to snap out of it. And we're not going to be helped by the fact that Thiago's out. Naby's back. That's great. He was meant to be back for this game. Klopp said on Friday that Naby would be back for today. And he couldn't even make the bench. So I don't take much of what he says publicly, um, you know, to be truthful. I think he just says things to the media to just make them go away because I don't think he wants to talk to them. Um, but no, all in all, it's just, it's a really bad day. It's a really bad day for the club with the, with the way they've played, with the injury to Thiago and with the bullshit that's now going to start. We're going to, you're going to have like your old pals have already come out and said that Henderson was the best of the midfielders today, which is just an amazing stance to take 
guy played three forward passes. Sorry, he completed three forward passes in the entire game. Three. Mm. Well, you know, you know what the motivation there is, and 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 honestly, if you're entertaining that kind of bollocks, and you, you, if you're incapable of taking a measured view, you don't have to. You don't have to be extreme on either side, but if you're in- incapable of taking some sort of measure view where negatives are capable of being spoken about without you somehow being responsible for uh, attacking the lad's soul, then it's, this game isn't really for you. You know, you're just more of a troll and you should stay in whatever troll rooms and troll little, um, you know, uh, uh, environments that suit you. And 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 and, and uh, I think you're right, Dave. It might be a good idea for us all to stay a little bit away from uh, some of these places that we do frequent for the next while. In the week to come, however, we'll lick our wounds and get on with it and know that you'll be busy. Yeah, I've got loads this week, obviously. Um, Daily Red and Two-Footed Every Day. I believe there's going to be an old school this week, um, myself and, and Mr. Tandon. And uh, there'll be at least one scouted, probably two, given the game's not till, till Monday week. So uh, there'll be loads. There'll be loads up. I think that is, and you can hear it in us, a suitably uh, sort of downbeat and deflated podcast. Um, Hopefully it also was a little bit of a help for you in parsing out what happened over the course of that match. It certainly was for me. And I want to thank uh, Harry, Seti and Dave Hendrick for their company and their insight over the last hour and a bit, nearly hour and a half, almost as long as the match itself. That tends to happen when things don't go well. We will be back with you for the Palace game. Of course we will. Raw will continue this season. No doubt we'll pick up and we'll be here to talk you through it. So stay with us and we'll speak to you soon. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement, and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter, at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.